Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Coming up on this episode of The Entrepreneurial You. Small and medium-sized enterprises are perennially challenged. I mean, they're chronically challenged by resource constraints. As you say, they just don't have much money. What they have typically is a, a lot of passion and a lot of desire. Welcome back to The Entrepreneurial You. I'm your host, Henneke Watkins-Porto. Today's episode is brought to you by Bookophilia, Peak Performers. Are you looking for a space that fosters a peaceful and productive working environment for writing and multifaceted creative expression? Then, Bookophilia is the place to be. Today's guest serves on the faculty of both the Kellogg School of Management and the McCormick School of Engineering at Northwestern University. He is a faculty contributor in the Kellogg Center for Research in Technology and Innovation and serves as a faculty fellow at the Siegel Design Institute. At present, he's also serving as a visiting professor in the Chair of Technology and Innovation Management at the WHU in Germany. Beyond Northwestern, he served as an appointed member on the United States Department of Commerce Trademark Public Advisory Committee to the Patent and Trademark Office and is a charter fellow at the National Academy of Inventors. In 2017, he became a member of the editorial board at the California Management Review. I'm so delighted to welcome Professor James Gerard Conley, to the entrepreneurial you. Welcome, Professor Conley. Thank you, Hanukkah. It's a privilege and an honor to be with you on this podcast. I normally start off with a fun question to all my guests. So here is your fun question. Which person would you like to be for a day or who would you like to exchange roles with? That's a really good one. I would like to be... uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg for a day, because I, I would like to understand the nature of the social engagement that he manages uniquely on the Facebook platform. Um, as I as I told you, I have these five children; they're all teenagers, and these social networking platforms are just revolutionary in the way that we connect with one another, not just. Uh, amongst peers, but across generations. And I'd like to see how he is managing the uniqueness of all this uh, to the benefit of not just the people that work at Facebook and the people that participate at Facebook, but for people like like you and I, who uh, you know are, are relative strangers, but we're seeing the world interact on this platform in a way that's brought us all much closer together. Awesome. Isn't that amazing? I think we're living in the best of times. <laughs> we certainly are interested, living in interesting times. Amazing. So we are going to be talking today all things intellectual property. When we talk about intellectual property, what are we really talking about? What we're talking about are things 
that are uh, established by a, a nation's government, laws that are established by a nation's government that are designed to help people who innovate, uh, people who actually come up with new concepts. Uh, and, and these things can also be uh, essentially source identifiers. There are various modes of legal protection that help entrepreneurs compete when they decide to do something different than everyone else in, in their field of business. That difference usually requires some investment. It may be a difference that brings about some kind of technology solution. It may be a difference that brings about some kind of new cultural narrative. It may be a difference that brings forward a product that has unique branding. And it may be a difference that it's simply something that the entrepreneur knows themselves that not too many other people know or is not generally known. What I've just described are the domains of property, intellectual property that relate to things like patents, copyrights, trademarks, and trade secrets. Um, <clears throat> you know, Jamaica has a rich culture of producing content. I'm thinking of, you know, specifically uh, the, the artist who influenced me when I was younger, Bob Marley. You know, this man has created a great legacy, great legacy of cultural expression that, uh, you know, is protected by a copyright that is an intellectual property form that actually allows him and his estate now, of course, to capture some value from the work that he put into that, those beautiful expressions of his youth. That, uh, you know, in some sense, gives some foundation to what is the Jamaica of today. So you mentioned about, you know, a nation's um, government that, you know, protects your invention, your creation and, and so on. Are you saying that intellectual property, of course, differs from region to region and the laws that govern international property will intellectual property rather will differ from territory to territory? The world that we live in. Uh, is, is essentially one that follows a, a, a guideline of self-determination. So, you know, Jamaica makes its own laws, just like uh, Tunisia makes its own laws. They choose their own government, just like the United States, just like Cuba. Uh, that means that if the government chooses to have intellectual property, that's their choice. And if they generally try and do this because it's very good for the entrepreneurs like you and, and the audience of this broadcast. Governments generally try to help entrepreneurs. They want to give them advantages, so they create these laws. Now, WIPO, which is an entity in Geneva, the World Intellectual Property Organization, which operates in the same way, for example, like the World Health Organization operates, is trying to make these laws that are intellectual property laws they're trying to make them similar or standardized or uh, very uh, similar across the globe so that it's easy for an entrepreneur to move or capture their property in multiple countries, right? So if you come up with a fabulous fashion line with a wonderful brand name like Patois and you want to make sure that that brand name is respected in multiple countries, you can register your trademark in multiple countries and expect that the laws that you encounter in Jamaica will also be uh, similar in, in the other countries where you may want to sell 
your your fashion line and invest in the advertising that builds the meaning of the word patois to multiple markets of customers. It's funny you should say that because patois apparel is actually registered in 27 countries in Europe and in Jamaica, of course, and the United States. <laughs> so, so you know that it's important to do this. Yes, uh, because, absolutely. <laughs> um, someone... Someone will see the success of your product, and they, they may want to borrow the goodwill by actually calling their products patois. And if it's in the fashion business, you know, you, we as a government don't want the consumers to be confused. If the consumers are confused about the source of the good, they hesitate. And that's not good for transactions. And it's, it's better for you to be able to build up all the goodwill around your unique source identifier patois. So you go and you register it in those markets where you may plan to sell your goods. What is the importance of effectively managing IP for business growth? This topic that you're addressing is, is one that actually is taking these ideas about intellectual property and the knowledge of it and, and trying to turn it into a language that is liberated from the lawyers. The lawyers, whether they're in Jamaica or in the United States or in Europe, are professionals that try to help their clients on legal matters and pursuing and enforcing intellectual property rights is typically the domain of the lawyers, but management of intellectual property is typically the responsibility of the entrepreneur or the uh, manager or the executive that is running a business. Uh, the reason you have to think about this because it's, it's really a manager's choice to invest in the legal cost of property. So that means management must be able to think about the intellectual property in terms of marketing, in terms of finance, in terms of strategy. You know, what is the logic of doing uh, what we're doing? In your case, in the context of Batwa, what is the logic of going to register these trademarks in the United States? You, you must be planning on selling your goods in the United States. So that's really a management decision, where you're going to sell, how you're going to sell, what is the difference that you're going to be presenting to all of your customers about your goods relative to others that they might, might have the ability to buy, other competitors. These are management decisions, but they, at their very core, involve property because they're trying to help you differentiate yourself relative to everyone else. So this Effective management of intellectual property is about taking the complex issues of the law and turning them into uh, things that managers think about on a daily basis and can make good decisions about for the purposes of their own sustainability in the marketplace. When startups are, you know, just getting into business, you know, there tend, tend to be a, a thought process of, oh, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough, you know, I cannot invest in doing any um, trademarking or, you know, registering of my intellectual property. And they, they really see it as, a, as an expense rather than an investment. Uh, what are the implications for SMEs in considering registration of their intellectual property and protection of it? Well, this is a really good question, and uh, Hanukkah, I really I like this because small and medium-sized enterprises are 
perennially challenged. I mean, they're chronically challenged by resource constraints. They, as you say, they just don't have much money. What they have typically is a, a lot of passion and a lot of desire to uh, be successful in the marketplace. They just need the selling proposition. That means they need the ability to convince others to buy their products and or invest in their business. This is what the community of venture capitalists typically do. They're looking for that sparkling SME where they can invest their money. So the reason property is, is an important issue for SMEs is because the choice to not pursue property, that means I just don't have the money, as you say, and you know, I, I really, it's too expensive. That, that's a perfectly fine choice. It is, in fact, a management choice. And that may be effective given what are your uh, resource limitations at any particular point in time. But what's important for the manager to realize is if we don't invest in the property, then we're essentially contributing all of that goodwill to all of the other competition. They can use my Patois brand. They can go and play uh, Bob Marley's music. They can use the inventions that you may come up with, for example, in your clothing line. And, and you can't do anything about that. The investment in property is one to reserve your unique expression, your intentions, your unique source identifier. It is a cost-benefit analysis. It is something that must be in the mind of the SME owner, in the mind of the entrepreneur, so they can see consciously what the trade-offs are. And that's why uh, it, it's such a, uh, an important issue for SMEs. Typically, the best time to invest in property is when you're small, but it's also quite expensive. So it's a, it's a conundrum, as we call it. <laughs> Caught between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to take a break right here, Professor Conley, to thank my sponsor. When we come back, we are going to be looking at IP in the digital economy. Peak performers. Success is something that we gradually work towards as an end goal, but we need to be in the right environment to make it happen. Bookophilia is dedicated to providing a space for book, coffee and tea lovers, creatives, educators, students and professionals who want ideas, innovation and inspiration. They have a variety of high quality books, a cafe, events such as book launches, signings and art exhibitions and professional services uniquely tailored to your needs, culture and tastes. Their environment provides for the full literary arts experience, allowing for multifaceted creative expressions. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bookophilia. Welcome back. Professor Conley, let's continue our discussion centered around intellectual property. Now we want to take it to intellectual property in the digital economy. At the beginning, you talked about wanting to be Mark Zuckerberg for a day, if you could. Now, he has created such a revolution, as it were, for the digital space. Take us through intellectual property within that paradigm. Okay, so let's imagine what Facebook is uh, today for all of our, our viewers. Uh, as, and, and I use Facebook as an example of a digital platform something that actually exists more in bits and bytes than it exists as a physical structure. Now, I, I pick Facebook because we could also look at something 
that is uh, part of the established economy. Uh, you know, as we were chatting before the interview uh, this morning, I mentioned Jamaican coffee, which I just love, Blue Mountain coffee. Um, that That is a product that uh, has a lot of infrastructure, lots of farmers, lots of machines, lots of devices, a lot of physical capital that are required to invest and build and harvest and bring that product to market. That's all fixed physical assets, okay? And there's a lot of money invested in building those assets and maintaining those assets. Now let's go back to the example of uh, Facebook, which doesn't actually have many of those physical assets. What does Facebook have? Facebook has a platform. We all know how to find the platform. We log into www.facebook.com or whatever is the site that we're going to, and we find Facebook, we find our friends' pages, we find our pages, uh, we find the pages of Patois, we find the pages of all sorts of other companies there. That is a platform that essentially is a, a computer uh, infrastructure that allows us, as people that interact with Facebook, to put some pictures, some stories, some links on what is our portion of the platform our Facebook page. Everything that we put up there, the pictures, the videos, we physically own that. But in fact, when we put it up there, we agreed to let Facebook use that for their commercial benefit. That's part of the legal agreement that we as photographers, we as storytellers, we as people that create products like 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 your company uh, in, in Patois and Clothing Lines, we agree to actually let Facebook capture the value through advertising and other mechanisms that they can use to try and convince folks that they have a large audience on the Facebook platform. Now, all of this that we're describing, you putting your content up there, the audience being convinced to come and uh, engage with you uh, through Facebook, the potential uh, uh, clients that may want to advertise to you, these would be clients at Facebook. All of these are parties that want to collaborate, but the right to do that is completely intangible. Facebook has the brand. That means they have the address. They have the computer infrastructure, which has all sorts of interesting inventions associated with it. And you, Patwa, and myself, when we go and actually put our pictures up there, we're bringing the copywritten expression to the party that is Facebook. Facebook becomes the place where we all go to have a socially engaging experience. And so that's very much of a digital phenomenon. It's not the phenomenon of growing the coffee, hauling the many pounds of coffee to the coast, getting them on a ship, and sending them across the globe. That's an important commercial endeavor, but Facebook is completely digital. It does not require any of the movement of physical goods. It only requires the movement and the capturing of audiences doesn't require uh, what is really all the infrastructure of the physical world. Mm -hmm. So are you saying then that our IP, uh, when we essentially post our pictures and, you know, content and so on, we're essentially handing over our intellectual property to those platforms? No, you need to, you need to read the, the agreement very carefully. A lot of us, when we log on to Facebook, we just check the box and, you know, we don't read it. It's my understanding that generally Facebook says, we own the property. We own the property. And 
that is, we own the, the pictures, we own the videos, we own all that. But what we're doing by posting it there is we're giving Facebook a right. So we contractually go allow them to, um, um, we allow them to actually capture the value of the non-exclusive right that uh, Facebook grants you as the owner of the copyright grant to Facebook by signing the contract, you give them uh, the ability to uh, use your pictures and anything else that you you you, uh, you post up there as as content that you have licensed. Interesting discussion we're having here with Professor James Gerard Conley, and we are coming to a close. But before we end, Professor, I want to give you an opportunity because you are coming to Jamaica. Woohoo! You're coming to Jamaica to share in a workshop, and I want you to share that details with our Jamaican listeners, our Jamaican community of peak performers. That's who we are right here. You know, those who listen to the Entrepreneurial You podcast they are peak performers so go ahead and share details about that workshop which is going to be june 13 to 15 what can we expect who should attend hanukkah thank you i'm coming to uh kingston uh next month june 13th through 15th to uh be part of a workshop uh organized uh at the jbdc incubator and resource center and, and in this workshop we will be uh, working with entrepreneurs, uh, managers, executives, uh, those from the financial markets who want to learn more about how property can be used to build and grow a business, specifically intellectual property. So we will be discussing all sorts of marketing questions, all sorts of strategy questions, all sorts of finance questions that entrepreneurs are confronted with on a daily basis. And we will show how the property system helps to make the innovators amongst the entrepreneurs more competitive and actually help them build their business uh, reliably and with confidence in their ability to sustain themselves into the future. So that's essentially the workshop. That's the workshop in, a, in association with the World Intellectual Property Organization, the Jamaica Intellectual Property Office, and the JBDC, Jamaica Business Development Corporation. That is going to be an exciting and very valuable workshop. That's June 13 to 15, 2017, of course. The time, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and cost is only 25,000 Jamaican dollars. And this is of so much value for only $25,000 over three days. You're going to be hearing from speakers in Jamaica as well as international speakers such as I'm speaking with Professor James Conley. He will be one of the presenters as well. This podcast doesn't lend itself to give all the information, all the details about intellectual property. I mean, there's so much to be to be said about it, so much to know about it, and it's important that we know because, I mean, I could even share my own personal stories of um, intellectual property drama, but we don't have time for that. I won't get into that now. But thank you so much, Professor Conley, for coming on. Before we go, though, I would not allow you to do that without sharing your contact details with us, how, how it is that our peak performers may get in touch with you. Well, it's very simple. I have a website, www.jamesconley.org, uh, and there is all sorts of contact information, all sorts of uh, materials that I have written on, on this subject, and links to other sources that uh, interested 
uh, entrepreneurs in Jamaica and elsewhere can use to find out more about me. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Professor Conley, for coming on. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. It's been um, very insightful. You know, we cannot learn enough. <laughs> we can, it can never be too much learning. So thank you so much. Looking forward to having you in Jamaica. I'm looking forward to having, being in Jamaica and hopefully meeting in, up with you and seeing more about your products, the Patwa line of uh, uh, fashion wear. Thank you so much. That's it, my peak performers. We have come to the end of another great show. I want to say a really big thank you for listening from all over the world. And this week, I'm giving a special shout out to you listening in Barbados, Brazil, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and the USA. If you've been enjoying this show, I really want you to spread the love. Share the love with me by subscribing in iTunes. And visit HennekaWatkinsPorter.com if that's not where you actually join us from. And sign up for the first chapter of my book, 15 Hints to Entrepreneurial Success. Also, if you want to start your own fashion business, connect with me. In the meantime, you can also check out my clothing line, patwaapparel.com. That's P-A-T-W-A-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com for fabulous Jamaican shirts. I do want to hear from you. Send me an email at hennikawatkisporter at gmail.com. Remember, you were born to win. But to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. Walk good.